Hi, and welcome to On the Blue Couch. I'm Kathleen, and I'm coming to you from my couch in my office in Lakeview, an area of Chicago. This podcast provides information, inspiration, and reflections on all things that happen within us and around us to live today and fully. You are listening to episode three, Stress It Down. Hi, and thank you for listening in on this third podcast. As the title conveys, we're going to be talking about stress, and not only about stress itself, but uh, how to really bring it down, bring it down in your life, actually making a commitment to yourself to make maybe even a small change, maybe some larger changes. We have so much information out there on stress, which I will be touching on, and the numbers aren't getting any better around how it's impacting us. So even with all this information, for some reason, a lot of us are stuck in really making changes that can make our life better. So I always find it useful to set an intention to kind of keep us on track of what we will be talking about today. And so this is what I hope to get across. I do want to define stress. I do want to talk about why we have ongoing conversations about stress and why we need to continue having these discussions. I do want to talk about factors that lead to stress reactions, uh, what those stress reactions actually look like, what's happening inside of us uh, when we encounter a threat in, in our life. Um, focusing on your own internal map of stress and really bringing together uh, mind, body, brain uh, with your own world. So really getting you in touch with what it looks like, uh, what threatens you that creates stress reactions. So at the end of the day, you have the answers within you. And by taking in this information that I'm going to provide today, you get to decide how and when you want to use and apply this in your own life and depending on your own needs. Um, I will, at the end of all this, have kind of a call to action for yourself and invite you to set an intention or intentions for yourself, and I can walk you through that with the idea of somehow making one change, at the very least, that could impact uh, how you view stress in your life. So I'm going to move on and define stress, but I want to take a moment for you to think about what stress means to you. What is your own definition of stress? Think about that for a moment. I I think that we all have similar and different definitions depending on what we can tolerate, what we encounter, our own internal reactions to it, our own ways that we cope with stress. Um, But to get grounded and kind of oriented to what stress is, I'm going to share with you the Miriam online dictionary definition. I think that's a really good place to start. And they define stress as something that causes strong feelings of worry or anxiety. I agree with that. I'm sure you do too. Uh, Physical force or pressure. It's also defined as a physical, chemical, or emotional factor that causes bodily or mental tension and may be a factor in disease causation. 
And lastly, a state resulting from a stress, especially one of bodily or mental tension resulting from factors that tend to alter an existent equilibrium, job-related stress, for example. And our jobs are definitely at the top of the list of stress topics that we often tend to talk about with each other because our jobs are stressful. You know, we all have a whole range of expectations, responsibilities, intensity, how much we're getting paid, how much we're not getting paid. Does our job offer benefits? Uh, What are our own financial demands and how are we meeting those? So all these things and then some come into play when we think about job-related stress. So I mentioned that one of the intentions is to really share with you why we need to continue talking about stress. And I'm going to share with you some current research uh, that really comes from 2012 that is on the American Institute of Stress's website, which I will include a link to on my own website. So my website is onthebluecouch.com, and this website is stress.org. And the title of this graphic that has that really has compiled all this information um, from different resources was created by mastersdegreeonline.org. So I really need to give them credit for that because I find I found this very helpful. And the title of this graphic is Stress is Killing You. So according to this graphic, which again, this these numbers are from 2012, um, 44% of Americans feel more stressed than they did five years ago, which would be seven in this case. Um, one in five Americans experiences extreme stress, which can result in shaking, heart palpitations, depression. Three out of four doctor visits are for stress-related ailments. lose sleep every night. And I'm also going to share with you how much money goes towards medical bills and lost productivity. So stress-related ailments cost the nation $300 billion every year in medical bills and lost productivity. And as you know, it's super important to take vacations. So I really want to share with you how we compare to other European countries. I'm, I'm just, the numbers here just show one European country, but I, I do know that a lot of them have really great amounts of days off. So in the U.S., the average, if you have benefits, if you, have, if you actually get vacation days, is uh, 10 work days, you get 10 work days off, plus eight national holidays for a total of 18 days. Um, In France, they get a total of seven weeks of vacation. So 49 days of vacation. Um, Quite a difference. And I don't even know what I would do with 49 days of vacation. That sounds like a whole other world. What do you think you would do with 49 days of vacation? Think about that for a moment. What would be enjoyable to you? What would help you de-stress? Something to think about. 
So in all of that, what stood out to me is that 44% of Americans feel more stressed than they did seven years ago. And so the numbers aren't really getting better. We're not becoming less stressed. We keep talking about it. And so really it's about, again, taking this information and then doing something about it. Let's move into some brain talk right now because I think it's important to understand what happens at a neurobiological level. What is happening in our brain, in our body, when we encounter stress or something that our body perceives as threatening? I'm going to talk about the main players that are involved here, but first I want to start by saying that our brains have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years. And what we do share with our Neanderthal cavemen and cavewomen ancestors is this primitive part of our brain that can perceive a threat before we can even think about it and get us into action, also known as the fight or flight reaction. The very mechanism that helped our ancestors encounter life-threatening situations is the very mechanism that helps us um, in situations where things are life-threatening, as well as situations that are our daily stressors, such as work-related stress, financial-related stress, raising a family-related stress those sorts of things. So the thing I want to say about our alarm system is this, that it's very efficient in getting us moving. However, it's not always accurate on what is happening and what is life-threatening and what is not life-threatening. I'm going to start with a scenario that a lot of people can relate to. Now, Now, not all of us, but at the top of the list of stressors that we as Americans face is a commute. Commutes can cause a great deal of stress for people who have to deal with that day in and day out. So I want to take a scenario, and if you can't relate to it, think about maybe something else that you have to deal with in the morning that could potentially get your heart rate going. So in this scenario that involves commuting, imagine that it's a normal day, however, road construction has been added to this scenario. And what used to be four lanes has now moved down to three. And there's bumper-to-bumper traffic. People are honking their horns. People are weaving in and out of traffic. And someone has just cut in front of you. So before you even have the thought that of what happened, and if your body perceives this as a threat, there's a series of events that happen and they involve your autonomic nervous system. There's two parts to this system and they include the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system is involved in the fight or flight response. And the parasympathetic is involved in relaxation, calming us down, returning to balance. So as I move forward, I'm going to refer to the sympathetic part as the alarm. And I'm going to refer to the parasympathetic as the relaxer. Back to the scenario where you are in your car in traffic commuting to work and you already know that you're going to be late 
it's bumper to bumper, cars are honking, and someone has just cut you off. In this moment, your body perceives this as a threat. And in this moment, the amygdala is activated before you can even think about what just happened. So when the amygdala is activated, it immediately, in lightning speed, sends a distress signal to the hypothalamus. Now, the hypothalamus can be kind of thought of as the center of all things or many things involuntary uh, within us, such as breathing, heart rate, sleep, thirst, circadian rhythms, that sort of thing. From the hypothalamus, there's then signals that travel through the autonomic nervous system that then hit the adrenal glands, which then release what we know to be adrenaline. And I know a lot of us have heard what this is, like, that person's high on adrenaline, or I'm high on adrenaline and I can do so much. I'm just pumped up. I'm ready to run. I'm ready to, you know, get into action. I'm ready to go lift a car, you know, whatever it might be. But adrenaline is that hormone that allows us to have superhuman strength, to have, to run faster. Blood is pumped to areas of our muscles that allow us to have bursts of energy. So you would likely experience increased heart rate, increased breathing. Uh, You would notice that your muscles might be tense. Uh, Blood is really circulating at a rapid rate throughout your body and going to places that will allow you to jump into action. Uh, Energy is released, glucose, so that you have this burst of energy as well. Um, The other thing to know is that the HPA access is involved, and I'm just bringing this up because this is a very basic component of this kind of alarm part of our nervous system. And this involves the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland, and the adrenal glands. When this danger continues to be perceived, now remember this happens over a very short period of time, there is a whole other chain reaction of hormone release. And one of those hormones that is released in all of this is cortisol. And so there are just two main hormones I wanted to focus on today, and that's the adrenaline and cortisol that is released into the bloodstream. Going back to what that looks like in your car, the fight or flight response, it's not pretty. Somebody who's going through that is more likely to be honking their horn more intensely to be shouting out their window, to maybe even be driving more erratically. Um, It's not a pretty sight. It's ugly, and it's not comfortable, I think, for the person going through it. So it's really getting to a point of when these situations arise. um, Of course, your body does return to baseline on its own, unless there's another stressor in your environment. But really being more intentional about, in, you know, activating and calling on your parasympathetic nervous system, the part that is the relaxer. In this scenario, it's the commute in the morning, right? And the day really hasn't even started. So what even happened before this commute? What's going to happen when that person walks in the door and they're late to work and they have, you know, to face their day? What for you are stressors that you know to be true throughout your week. And I want you to take a moment 
uh, to think about that. And if you're in a space where you can write this stuff down, begin to take out a pen and write and jot down your daily stressors. And when you're finished with that, I want you to kind of rate them from each one on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a, a minimal stressor and a 10 being a significant severe stressor. This will be the list that you come back to when you set your intention or intentions for the week. But first, I really want to start with what's the impact when our bodies go through this fight or flight response again and again, the chronic stress that one can encounter um, and react to in their daily life. When the stress hormone cortisol is released into your bloodstream due to this chronic stress, it can have a severe impact on your health. And this kind of goes back to the numbers that I mentioned earlier about health-related problems, the amount of money that we are spending as a nation on lost productivity as well as medical bills. So when your adrenal glands as part of the system are called on again and again, and there's cortisol released into your bloodstream, adrenaline released into your bloodstream, there's a price to that. And what people may notice if this is ongoing are things like problems with sleep, problems with uh, blood sugar and the balance of, increased weight. So you may experience weight gain, especially to your belly area. When there's high levels of cortisol uh, you know, flowing through people's systems, what tends to happen is there is an increase in appetite, and then the storage of fat tends to be more um, in the belly area. Immune function decreases, so your ability to fight off sickness decreases, and so you're likely to get sick more often. Okay, so now I want you to get in touch with your own internal map of stress, and so I first want you to start with what are things that make you vulnerable, that set you at risk for your response to stress, and a couple of things that I think are common for people are not getting enough sleep, um, sometimes doing things that make us feel better in the moment, but actually have you know, longer term consequences to that, like having that extra drink if you're out with friends and not feeling so great in the morning, feeling groggy, maybe for some feeling hungover. Um, Other things are maybe overeating with sugar and then having a headache in the morning and feeling like you need more sugar to keep going. Um, Other things are watching that marathon or binge watching something you know, on Netflix or whatever it is that you've gotten into and staying up really late watching that and having to get up early and start your day. Procrastination, Uh, not getting something done that you really need to get done and then having to wait to the last minute, which can create a lot more stress. So think about it for a minute. What are the things that set you at risk for stress? And Again, write these down if you have a pen available. If not, come back to this later and write it down. And now I want you to think about really the relationships in your life. And this gets into your support system. But I want you to think about those important people in your life who make your life better, who enhance it, who you can just be yourself when you're with, where there's lots of laughter and that you can really share what's happening for you. You know, the honesty around when somebody says, how are you? It's not just fine. 
you can really share how things are going with you. So there's a mutuality, a give and a take. And I also want you to think about maybe some of those relationships, if there are any, that are more hurting rather than helping you. Those ones that you don't feel necessarily so good, you might feel resentful when you're around that person for whatever reason. Um, a couple years ago, I was really, my, my schedule was jam-packed and I was going from one thing to another. Um, I had really started a business that I was trying to build and working full-time and then also, you know, involved in other things as well. And all this running around was just too much. And I realized this when I was in a minor car accident. And I'm sitting there in my car and I'm realizing, okay, I need to slow down. And then I had another realization. I need to change some relationships in my life. And I reached out to one of my friends who um, still is really important to me. And I called him and I said, I'm so thankful for having you in my life. And through this kind of release of tears and stress, I, I also shared with him, and I also need to make some decisions. There are some people in my life who are really hurting me, and their energy is negative, and they're kind of inviting me to be involved in drama that I don't want to be involved with. And when I set boundaries, um, you know, they don't accept those. So it was in that moment that I really allowed myself to say, you know, I deserve that and I deserve good relationships and a good support system. And I'm very aware and very cognizant of maintaining those boundaries with people. So your support system is going to be a really important part of your mental health. And so really nurture those relationships that are important to you and reach out to those people uh, who matter to you if you're going through something and then be there for people who matter to you who are going through something themselves. And now I want you to think about the things in your life that are supporting your health, your mental health, your physiological health, whether that be some sort of exercise, whether that might be a class that you enjoy that you're taking, whether that be just enjoying life at home, whatever that looks like. So think about the things that support your health and really look at that list and see how many there are. If there aren't many on this list, you really need to start adding more. And if there are a lot on this list, um, kind of look at maybe what you have and have not been doing in quite some time that maybe you'd like to start doing again. Maybe you want to also add to this list something you've always wanted to try. So activities that can bring you happiness and bring you health. So whether you're living alone, you're living with a partner, you have a family, this isn't something that you have to do on your own. So if there are activities or things that you like to do, like even taking a walk, do that with your kids by sharing with them the things that make you happy and healthy. You're really, if anything, really modeling for your kids what that looks like. So they're taking that in. They're looking up to you. So my point is whatever it is that you like to do, reading, writing, maybe painting, doing something artistic, involve your friends, involve your family. Um, it will benefit you all. 
So now I want you to go back to that list of stressors in your daily life. And I want you to look at the, you know, eight, nine, and tens. And the ones that really create a lot of stress in your life. And think about if there's one aspect of that stressor that you have control over changing. And the reason I say that is I recognize that jobs can be stressful, for example. And it doesn't mean that you can leave that job just because you're feeling stressed. That requires you to get another job, right? But maybe if you're contemplating that this job isn't working out for you because just the environment there doesn't respect one's work-life balance, then maybe it's time to start looking for another job. But I understand that that takes time and effort and can be another whole job in itself. But this is actually moving out of the freeze response, which is also part of the stress response. So we want to move you from stuck freeze to I actually have more power than I thought in my life. And there are things that I can do to make those changes happen. So again, look at your list and I want you to circle things or circle things in your mind of maybe the eight, nines, or tens that you can adjust, change in some way, or add something to it to make it better. And then look at the ones and the twos because those do impact you as well. And think about if there's anything that um, you can buffer. So for example, let's say the commute is maybe a three for you. Um, does that require you to require you to leave a little bit earlier? Does that require you to have flex hours if that's allowed? Are you allowed to come in at seven rather than nine um, and leave earlier? So you know, are there things that you can adjust just by asking and seeing if that's possible um, in your work environment, in your family environment, in your relationship environment? And now I want you to do a kind of fill in the blank. So for this week, it's going to be my intention is to, and if you have more than one intention, write it down as well. The next one is I deserve to, and that can be I deserve to have the life, I deserve to um, have the things I want, I deserve to meet my goals, whatever that might be, but I deserve to. And then I value myself enough to. So I want you to talk about recognizing your own value and that this value has an impact on what you're going to do next. And then I just want you to write down I'm worth it and that be it. Um, so you're going to make a commitment to making some sort of change if not multiple changes and know that this isn't necessarily something you need to do alone. Um, I think it's better to Tell people what you're doing. Share with them some of your intentions. Uh, you may need more help. You might need a support group um, if it requires changing your exercise habits, whether it's eating. Um, maybe it's joining some sort of meetup that has meditation involved, that uh, involves things that you like to do. So we're setting an intention without looking at the outcome here. The idea is to make things better, but there doesn't have to be this either or outcome. 
you have already made a change just by identifying a change. So you are shifting your mind in some way. And that's a start. So I want to say there's no success or failure failure here. It's there's no that you've backtracked in some way. I believe when people have made some sort of change and maybe you go back to old habits, that's not a failure. It just means that a change has happened and just to kind of observe it as that. So in ending, you really want to do things that are going to engage your relax part of your autonomic nervous system. So meditation, exercise, yoga, these are all things that have definitely been proven to uh, engage that part of you. A diaphragmatic breathing. So I will provide links on my website that are great resources for meditation, uh, apps that can offer um, you know, a place for you to go to breathe and meditate and guide you uh, through some of that. Uh, information on, of course, diaphragmatic breathing. I will provide a link to Tara Brock's website. I love all the archived meditations and Dharma talks that she has. Um, And if I think of anything else, I will add it. And of course, if you have any questions, please contact me, Kathleen, at onthebluecouch.com. And if you would like to share your intention with me, please go to this podcast and write a comment about what your intention is or email me with that. So thanks again so much for joining me on this third podcast, and I look forward to uh, future ones. Take care.